Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org, to donate. Thank you. And took his crown Yet I'm still welcome In the arms Of things take place Straighten up Raise your heads Because your redemption Is drawing near In the name of the Father And the Son And the Holy Spirit Amen Uh I uh, had to use the uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa illustration earlier. I meant it for this sermon, but I forgot to get a children's message ready. So you've already heard that. The Leaning Tower, and it's true, there's a Leaning Tower of Niles, apparently. Not quite as exciting, because it's, you know, in the suburbs of uh, Chicago, but also uh, smaller, etc. Anybody been there, though? It really exists, like half the size. Okay, Matthew. What's that? You what? It's by Target. So that's the American way. <laughs> like, you go to Italy or you can go to Target and then stop by the Leaning Tower of Niles. Uh, so anyhow, but it really was, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great example, I think, of a bad, poor, poor building, right? The very the biggest problem is that it actually started out wrongly on a bad foundation. Literally, while they're building it, it actually began to sink in because the foundation was too shallow and it was on a sandy material, et cetera. Never should have happened. They should have figured that out. But they kept it going. They had to stop building it for a long while. Then they got back after it because they started it. And now it exists only because we have artificial ways of, of helping it. And it's become, literally, I think, you literally, it's, it's illegal or something. You can't fix it now because it brings in a lot of money from people like us who go all the way to Italy to see a pretty much unimportant object, except that it's leaning. But that's, uh, that's what we do, right? Uh, anyhow, it's a lot cheaper just to go to Niles if you want to check that out. So, uh, you know, but, but that's, uh, you know, I'm not an architect, et cetera. We got a lot, we have a lot of, sorry about that, we have, a, we have a lot of architects here and engineers, et cetera, but the very foundation is so important, very basic to make sure it's sure, let alone deep, and can hold whatever you're going to build up. Bear the weight and last the ages. I love uh, uh, living in Chicago. I've got, um, sometimes you always do your Chicago tourist stuff because family's coming in. This summer, for some reason, I was on the boat tour, the architect tour, like three times. Like, I know that, I know every building now. It is, but it is beautiful. We live in a gorgeous city, remarkable architecture and feats of architecture. Uh, really blow your mind, not just in aesthetic beauty, but how they can build something off just a small little bit. You know what I'm talking about? There's one building right downtown. It's a small, narrow way that it just goes out on. It's just, mar- it's just amazing. But it begs the question, your own life. What are you building on? Do you have a shallow foundation that when tough times come, you just tip over? Or there's not much meat to it? There's not much meaning, so it doesn't really quite work to hold you up? What are you standing on existentially? In your life, what's your foundation? Is it shallow? The, the uh, disciples and Jesus um, were leaving 
the temple when today's conversation came up. And Jesus, he comes to Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry, right? He enters in on a uh, colt, and um, he's come to die and rise. But before that, he would go to the temple and teach, and everyone came because he's this healer, miracle worker, and spoke so well. So everyone listened. So he'd be in the temple, and then he would each day go back up the Kidron Valley, up to the Mount of Olives, and stay that night. And he'd go back and forth. And this time, Luke tells us, he must have been in the temple teaching. In fact, we know he was because this is when he was in the temple and everyone else was staring at the big awesome things and the big gifts that the powerful people were giving. And Jesus was looking at what? You remember? What's Jesus looking at? Jesus is always looking at something else that we're, we're not looking at. He's looking at the poor widow who gave everything she had, but it was really worthless. It was nothing. Jesus was looking at that, right? Anyhow, the disciples are not conscious. They're not, they never put two and two together. So they're leaving the temple and... They are talking, again, not about the poor widow and the humility and how those that have nothing have everything in Jesus. Nope, nothing deep like that. Instead, their eyes are back-focused on the big stones that built that temple. And this temple was extraordinary. It was one of the largest buildings in the civilized world. People would come from all over to see it. It was incredible a feat of architectural wonder, like the pyramids in that sense. It drew people from everywhere, and it was beautiful. In fact, Herod the Great got that name because he was a brilliant politician. He made Rome happy, and he made the Jewish people happy by building onto their temple. So by this day, it's just gigantic stones and just beautiful adornments, and Luke says the disciples are talking about the beauty and Jesus, and they must have been loud enough that Jesus hears it. And Jesus crashes another party. And he says, look at those stones. Those stones you're talking about? Yeah, every single one's coming down. Thanks, Jesus. He does this all the time, by the way. <laughs> crashes the party. They're focusing. Everything's coming down, right? Now, this kind of frightens them because really it's quite, that's, that's quite a prediction because it was seemingly impossible to say that every stone's going to fall down. It was such a large, like the, like the uh, pyramids. And so then they ask this, wow, what are the signs? When's this going to happen? Tell us when and what are the signs? And then Jesus goes off on not just about how the temple's coming down, but about how Jerusalem is coming down and the Jewish people are coming down and will be scattered. But it's even bigger than that, how the whole universe is coming down. It's all crashing down. So you better have a foundation. You better have something to stand on. The disciples were obsessed with the decoration and not the foundation of the temple. Make sense? Obsessed with the periphery of things and not the very reason for the temple. And so that shocked them that it was going to fall down because they love that. Jesus wanted them to focus on something else. To look at something else. Something that that poor widow got. That her hope was not in stuff or her own accomplishments or her health. But in God 
who is the foundation of that temple, and in Jesus. It's scary stuff to listen to this, but it's very clear. The world will end. All things will stop. And it's not pretty. And it's not natural. It's ending. That's hard to hear. But you know what? I think it's more and more believable, isn't it? The stability of this world, the temple that we have built. I mean, I think 10 years ago, this is kind of ridiculous to think that America would end. But now, in the last 10 years, I think it's very believable that our institutions, no matter how strong, no matter how great, nothing wrong with them in that sense, but it's not going to last forever. Because people are that insane, actually. And with the COVID, et cetera, it's very believable, isn't it? We thought we had a temple and we adored those great stones and offerings and how gigantic it was and we thought it was immovable. And Jesus says it's all coming down and I think now we should start to believe it. But you got to be insane to not believe it even before the last 10 years. If you know human history, <laughs> things that we make, they're not, they might not all be towers of pizza, but it's all gone. There's great works of architecture throughout the world that are gone, and they were on a good foundation. So what is your foundation when it all falls apart? And let's not just talk about the end of the world, Christ coming again. Your own personal crises. We don't need to have some focus that Jesus is coming again to make us think that things are going to end. Your own things in your life. Your life. If you've been keeping track, there's an end. What are you standing on? What is your foundation? You know, I think it's sadly, even for Christians, very shallow and very shifty. Even as those who should know better, if you look at how we live, where our money goes, what words we use, how we talk, how we treat one another, our foundation, I think, in the Western world, and definitely for Christians, is us and our happiness. Like that is what we stand on. What do I have to do to be happy? I deserve to be happy. We even tell our kids that. I hope, in fact, we, I hear this all the time. I say it myself. I get it. All I hope my, my kids are happy. That's like it. Your happiness. Our whole universe is about chasing after our happiness. And what a shifting sand is that. How dumb. You know this just from your own personal experience. Your happiness is always changing. You always want more. It's always going here and there. It is shallow. And yet that is the worldview of the Western world is pursue your, we have it in our declaration, pursue your happiness. And again, that's fine, but that's really no foundational talk. It's illogical. It's irrational. It doesn't work in any culture or religion, to be honest. But I think that's what we stand on. Self-centered discovering my own identity, doing anything I can do to make me happy, changing and rearranging relationships and even myself so that I can be happy, and it's always elusive. 
And with our technology, I think we've sort of invented the false illusion even more, extend a little further. We can make ourselves happy. And yet here we are. Statistically, this is not a Christian survey, more unhappy, more lonely, more people seeing psychologists and therapists than ever. More depression, etc. Shallow foundation. And we should know better. Repent. What are you standing on? Jesus, when he talks about the end times, it can get kind of frightening when you're reading what he's saying. And you can get lost on sort of trying to think it's some sort of riddle you're supposed to solve. It isn't. Don't ever look at the Bible as a riddle. You think God's a jerk? It's not a riddle. It's extremely clear. But the key to what Jesus says is not try to figure out when exactly this is going to happen and that happened. Who's Saddam Hussein? What's Putin doing? Like, the key is it's going to happen, it's going to end, but it's okay because Jesus says, I've got you. He's your foundation. We at St. James need to remember this. We're going to talk about building. Don't get too hung up on it. Don't get too hung up on the stones and the offerings and the decoration and not think about the foundation, which is Christ and the good news. That's why this building exists. That's why we have a school. If it's not sitting on the promise of Jesus, it's worthless and will fall and fail our kids. And the same goes for your own personal lives. What is your foundation? This is a good time to rethink this. Because Jesus as a foundation is beautiful. Jesus speaks these words, and it's scary. I, got, I have got to disconnect them. Wire just a second. That might do it. Let's see if that does it there, Brad. What's that? Uh, Jesus speaks these words as he comes into to Jerusalem, and what's he doing? In chapter 22, Luke tells us that the chief priests and Sadducees and all the, those in power got together to figure out how to destroy not the temple, but Jesus. And indeed, they thought that they did, putting him on the cross. But this is the joke. I mean, we got some great architects here at St. James, but Christ, how better? That with two pieces of wood and with his body laid on the cross, he creates a foundation that you can hang your hat on, that you can stand on. Forgiveness. With his own blood, he builds a building that you can live in. Even as sinners, even as people that build things on dumb foundations. In Christ, you are forgiven and you can stand on that. No matter what the devil says about you or about your past, is blotted out in the blood of Jesus. And he buried it. And three days later, talk about building a structure that lasts forever. He rises from the dead. What greater foundation to stand on than something even when it dies, rises again. That's what we stand on. Promises of a risen Christ. And that's what we can build a life on. That no matter what comes at us, those terrible things that do, those fears and those, those frightening things, whether it's health or a job, etc., nothing can knock it off because we know we're going to be okay. We're standing on the promises of the risen one. If he died and rose, surely we can handle sickness, job loss, and just the fear of living in this world. 
He's got us. He will not let us fall. Brothers and sisters in Christ, stand on that foundation each morning. Remember that. May that begin your day. May you build your existence not on you and making yourself happy, but upon what you have in Jesus. And may that make you happy, actually. But it may also empower you to live freely, actually, not desperately trying to please yourself, but serving others and taking care of others and sharing this foundation with others. In Jesus' name. Amen.